All right, so hey, good morning, everybody. It's Brian from HarvestChurchEugene.com. Harvest Community Church here in Eugene, Oregon. I'm one of our lead pastors. I'm so glad to have you worshiping with us today. I just have a couple of things I want to ask uh, of you before we jump into our study of the Bible today. As we always do, I want to encourage you to fill out a communication card. We ask everybody to fill out a digital communication card every single Sunday. Of course, uh, we also have some other information available. It's on our website. There are links for it. Uh, There's our Bible bookmarks, some other information that we would love for you to have. But speaking of that communication card, I would love it if whether you've filled it out a million times or you're filling it out for the first time today, if you'd go ahead and fill that out. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know what's fresh in your life. We'd love to know what spiritual steps you're taking. We'd love to know how we can support you in the spiritual journey, and uh, we certainly love to hear your prayer requests. And so please fill out one of those cards and, uh, or the digital communication card and um, just let us know how we can come alongside you in the spiritual journey. Of course, if you're a guest with us today, we would love it if you would fill one out as well. Um, It's just so important that we have the opportunity to begin to get to know you. Church is meant to be family, and we want you to know you're not alone, that we're here for you, that we care about you. So if you'd fill out one of those cards, that would be excellent. Of course, if you fill one out, when you fill one out, uh, every time a guest fills one out, We donate $5 in your name and $5 in each of your family members' names, if you'll give them to us, to our partners at Monroe Middle School right here in the neighborhood. We have partnered with Monroe for some time. They have a Families in Crisis Fund, and we love to give to that fund to honor that you are with us. And so would you please fill one of those out? I have just a couple of other things that I want to mention. Um, If you've been around for a long time, if Harvest is your home, we want you to say thank you for giving. Thank you for clicking on those giving links, and thank you for your recurring giving. Thank you for your sacrificial giving. Every time you give, it makes a world of difference. As much as it sort of seems like all the church cares about is money, and people complain about, all that, about that all the time, we promise we don't. We care about you. But we do recognize that when you give, it makes a literal gospel difference, both here in our community and around the world. And so we want to say thank you for that. I want to mention one other thing. I just want to talk for just a second about baptism. For the last year, it's been difficult to figure out how to do baptism in a COVID environment with all of the pandemic. But we are very near the place where we believe we know what and when and how. And so sometime in May, we are going to resume baptisms once again. And so I want to hear from you. If you've given your life to Jesus recently, if you've been holding on, waiting to be baptized, if you're in a place where you're ready to be baptized, please let us know. Again, you can tell us on your digital communication card, and I will get information to you as soon as we have a date set. Um, Just know that we would love that. I do want to ask how your Easter was. I hope you had an incredible Easter last week. We began a series called Soul Detox, and today we're going to pick up in the Bible right where we left off. And so would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your goodness, and we thank you that you work so powerfully in our lives. And we thank you for the reminder of Easter that you have overcome. And so as we look forward now, going another week past Easter here, we pray that 
you would work in our lives, that we would experience the detox in our souls that we so desperately need, and that you would do what you powerfully do, that you would cleanse us, that you would change us, and that you would make us more like you, Jesus. We commit to you your word. We commit to you our hearts, and we ask that you speak to them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing the series, Soul Detox. We're into week two. And before I jump into that, I want to ask you a question. Do you have a favorite drive-through for, for a coffee, for a tea, for a drink? Do you have a favorite drive-through spot? Maybe it's Starbucks, or maybe it's the Human Bean, or maybe it's Dutch Bros. Do you have a favorite place that you tend to, you know, ever so often just pull in? You've, you've got a longing for something, and you're thirsty, and you pull in, and you love that drink. You visit every once in a while. You have a place like that? Next time you pull in there, I want to ask you to do something. I want, you to, I want to ask you to ask them if it'd be okay if you just moved in. Yeah, you heard me right. It's a little nuts. But I want you to ask them if it'd be okay if you just moved in, that you like what they serve so much that you just want to move in and make it your home. Now, before you think I've completely, totally lost it, and I probably have, just hang on to that thought because I'm going to come back to it when we end today. So as we talk about detoxing our souls, we have to begin to think about what is toxic in our lives, about behavior. Now, the funny thing about toxic behavior is that you know it when you see it, that there's sort of a smell to it, you know? That when you hear it, when you see it, when you observe it, you, you recognize it in other people. But you might not realize this. It's much easier to observe and recognize toxic behavior in other people than it is to recognize it in our own hearts, in our own souls. So what is toxic behavior? And how can you and I experience a soul detox? That's what I want to get at right now. So toxic behavior, you recognize it when you see it. When a person has to be the center of attention, when, when they're self-absorbed and self-centered, when there's lots of lying and manipulation, when there's an unwillingness to listen to feedback, when they refuse to take responsibility and they're always assigning blame to someone else, when they can never be wrong and always have to be right, when they play the victim, when there are frequent, embarrassing, angerful outbursts, when there's hidden agendas and a critical spirit of everything they didn't think of, when there's gossip and malicious talk, when, we know, when, when, when a person ignores clear boundaries that someone else has set up, when there is passive-aggressive behavior, you know, when what happens to your face and then what happens behind your back, are very different things. This is toxic behavior, and it's much easier to recognize in other people than it is in ourselves. And I'm going to just fill in some blanks for you very quickly. What do we mean by toxic behavior? Toxic behavior is, I've got three, three sort of bullets here. Toxic behavior is self-centered and self-seeking, right? It's self-interested, self-indulgent. It's poisonous at that level because it's, it's egotistical. It's narcissistic even. Self-centered and self-seeking. Number two, toxic behavior is destructive and harmful. You see where a person begins to 
and work destruction, sometimes harming their own lives and oftentimes harming other people's lives around them. And the person struggling with toxicity in their behavior often is hurtful to both themselves and others. And number three, toxic behavior is controlling and manipulative, that there is a challenge for the person who is toxic to trust. And because of that, there is often a need to be in control, and that control can be out of control to the point of being manipulative. You've seen this in other people, I'm sure. This kind of toxic behavior is negative, it's destructive, it's poisonous. And it drains us, drains us of what God desires. Grace, of love, of truth, of joy, of peace, of health and healing. Now, I've searched the Bible. My Bible, the NIV, and other versions, you know, ESV and the King James and all these others. I've searched the Bible and the word toxic isn't there. So why are we doing a series called Soul Detox? Well, let me see if I can explain that, because although the word toxic or toxicity isn't in the Bible, there are a few places where words like poison or poisonous do show up. But more than anything, what you do see when you study the Bible is that that the behavior we often describe as toxic is very much there in the Bible and very much described there. Let me give you this. Proverbs chapter 6. Verses 16 and 19. And if if you have a Bible, you might turn with me to the book of Proverbs because we're going to spend much of today in Proverbs, various places in the book of Proverbs and a few other verses in the Bible as well. Proverbs 6, verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, that is prideful eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who who stirs up conflict in the community. God says this is something he hates. It's kind of odd to hear God say he hates something. Now to be clear, it's this toxic behavior, this sinful, evil behavior that God hates. Not people. God loves people. In fact, he loves people with toxic behavior. It is the very reason Jesus came. But you can notice a pattern in these verse, in these verses that, that evil, that the behavior God hates, that the behavior that is detestable to him is something that is always destructive and harmful. Haughty eyes are prideful eyes that look down on people. You get the idea of eyes in it because there's always a downward glance, right? A lying tongue is a person who just can't for the life of them seem to tell the truth because one lie covers another lie, covers another lie. Hands that shed innocent blood remind us of behavior that is destructful and harmful, murderous even. A heart that devises wicked schemes is manipulative and controlling. Feet that are quick to rush into evil have a bent, have an automatic pivot towards that which is dark and harmful, hateful even. A false witness who pours out lies is consumed not only with not being able to tell the truth, but with spreading that destructive lying behavior to others. We often call that gossip. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community is a person who gets thrills, who enjoys causing conflict and drama. 
This is toxic, but God goes beyond toxic. God says this is detestable to him. The word detestable there is the word abomination. Something that is an abomination is something that causes horror and disgust. That sounds pretty toxic to me. When we use the modern word toxic, we're talking about this sinful behavior that God often describes in the Bible. So the question becomes, if we're going to experience a soul detox where this toxic behavior is cut out of our lives and where we begin to be cleansed and experience changing behavior from the inside out, if that's going to begin to happen in our lives, how? How do we live healthier lives? How do we become less toxic and more healthy in the way we live our souls? What I want to do with the time today is I want to give you an overview of a soul detox. But I'm going to do it with biblical words from a biblical perspective. And I want you to see, number one, that how do we live healthier lives? Number one, the Bible says that all behavior is wise or foolish. That all behavior is wicked or righteous. When you dig into the book of Proverbs, what you find is, is contrasts that go on and on and get repeated over and over and over. And two of the large contrasts that happen over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs in the Bible, the wisest stuff ever written, is a contrast between wise behavior and foolish behavior. And a contrast between wicked behavior and righteous behavior. Let me give you just a few examples. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 6. Blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 12, 5, The plans of the righteous are just. But the advice of the wicked is deceitful. You can see this toxicity described there again. Wisdom versus foolishness also contrasted majorly inside our Bibles in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 10.1, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house. But with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down, hers down. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. You can see again that there is this destructive, harmful, hurtful thing that happens when we live in foolishness and wickedness. And is this that the Bible is talking about when, when we're thinking about the modern word toxic? Toxic is really just a modern word we use to describe behavior that, that the Bible describes with words like sinful and evil and wicked and foolish. But we don't like those words so much. So we soften it into toxic. But you can be sure of this. Although we don't like the words, we don't like the behavior when we're treated with it even more. And that's why we need to work on this soul detox. Dr. Henry Cloud in his book, Necessary Endings, says that basically there are three kinds of people, kind of from the book of Proverbs here. He says, look, there are people who are wise people, there are people who are foolish people, and there are people who are evil people. And you have to begin to know what people are in your life. And he admits that he doesn't like 
overly simplistic characterizations, but this really seems to fit in life. Wise people are people who are encountered by truth and they make a change. Foolish people are people who are encountered by truth and don't make a change. And evil people are people who just don't care about truth and love and grace. Frankly, about God. Everybody fits in there somewhere. So number two, if the Bible uses this language of wisdom and foolishness, this language of wicked and righteous to describe behavior, and we're going to call all of that negative behavior toxic behavior, then the starting point for a soul detox, number two, the starting point for a soul detox is a look in the mirror. A look in the mirror. Long before I think about the toxic behavior of other people, I need to look in the mirror. And we're going to spend weeks looking in the mirror before we begin to talk about toxicity in our relationships. And we are going to get there, and it's important we get there. But it's even more important we start here, inside our own souls, inside our own hearts. So as we talk through these behaviors and you begin to think, oh, I know someone who struggles with that. I'll pay. I, they, so-and-so needs to hear this. I've got a person that needs to hear this message. I want you to listen closely and intently because the person who most needs to hear this message is the one in the mirror. Proverbs 27, 19 says, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And our tendency when we think about toxicity is to think about others. But when we look in a mirror, we see ourselves. And the Bible is described in James and other places as a mirror. And so we should see ourselves here. And of course, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure. And it asks a question, the Bible does. Who can understand it? The heart. The heart that is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And the answer really is God. I want to show you that this toxic behavior we've described today, self-absorption and lying and manipulation, right? Controlling and blaming and refusing to accept responsibility, angry outbursts and hidden agendas and critical spirits and gossip and maliciousness and passive-aggressive behavior, that these are all things we all struggle with. In fact, I've just outlined for you in your notes 10 ways that I act like a fool. I'm going to run through them very quickly right out of the book of Proverbs. I live like I, I'm acting and I behave like a fool. I live like a fool when number one, I live like there's no God or when I live like I am God. I behave like a fool. I live like a fool when I live like there's no God and when I live like I am God. Proverbs 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their deeds are vile and there's no one who does good. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Number two, I act like a fool when I say everything that pops into my head. Are you guilty of that? I am. Proverbs 10.8, the wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Proverbs 10.14, the wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. 
I act like a fool when, number three, I reject advice and correction. When I refuse to receive any advice, any criticism, any correction, I am a fool. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Number four, when I think I'm right all the time, I'm acting like a fool. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. We just read that. Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for them, the person who thinks they're right all the time. Number five, I act like a fool. I behave like a fool when I refuse to change. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. We read that a moment ago. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So the reason the wise become wise when they hang out with the wise is that they absorb that wisdom and they change. And the companion of fools suffers harm because they just soak up that foolishness and refuse to change. Number six, I behave like a fool when I react in pride. Proverbs 14.3, a fool's mouth lashes out with pride and the lips of the wise protect them. Number seven, I live... Like a fool when I live in love with my own opinions. Proverbs 18.2, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. I behave like a fool, number eight, when I'm quick to quarrel, when I'm quick to fight. Proverbs 20, verse 30, it is to one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. I act like a fool. I behave like a fool. Number nine, when I trust only in myself. Proverbs 28, 26. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. And I act like a fool. I am a fool when I give full vent to my anger, when I give full vent to my rage. Proverbs 29, 11. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. The scripture is reminding us that foolish behavior is something we are all guilty of. That a starting point for a soul detox is a look in the mirror long enough to realize that long before I think about everyone else's toxic behavior, I must face my own. And the reality is, at the end of the day, there's wicked behavior that I have done. There is foolish behavior that I have done. And absolutely, there's toxic behavior. And so if I'm going to experience a soul detox, it starts where gaining wisdom starts. The Bible is going to tell us that the beginning of wisdom is with God. And so, a soul detox begins, number three... A soul detox begins with an admission that I am in the prob- that I am the problem. A soul detox begins with the admission that I am the problem and that I need Jesus. I want to tie this together for you. I I want to put together for you what the Bible is saying. I I want to see if I can take these pieces like a tapestry and bring them together and blend them together. I play the part of a fool far more often than I care to admit. 
Proverbs 27, 19, we read a while ago, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 said that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The Bible goes further in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, to tell us that there is no one righteous, not even one. What this is pointing out to me at the end of the day is that if I read Proverbs and think, I am wisdom, I have missed the point. If I read the book of Proverbs and I think I am the hero of the story, that I am the one who is righteous, I have missed the point. There is no one righteous, not even one. Well, there is one. He has a name. His name is Jesus. And the path out of toxic behavior is Jesus Christ himself. I need Jesus to forgive all of my toxic behavior, and I need Jesus to provide a way out when I face temptation, and I need Jesus to be the catalyst for change inside of me, and I need the wisdom of God in my life. No wonder that the Bible goes out of its way in the New Testament to tell us that Jesus The Son of God is the wisdom of God. I want you to listen to this. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 2, 2 through 4. Surely I am only a brute, not a man. I do not have human understanding. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I attained the knowledge of the Holy One. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Whose hands have gathered up the wind? Who has wrapped up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is the name of his son? Surely you know. Proverbs is begging us to know who the source of wisdom is. That it is God. What is the name of his son? It is Jesus. Which is why the New Testament goes out of its way to tell us in several different places that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, that we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That it is Jesus who is the righteous one. It is Jesus who is the wisdom of God. When the Bible tells me in Proverbs that I need wisdom, it's telling me I need Jesus. When it's telling me that I need righteousness and that I am wicked, it's telling me that I need Jesus. That only one is righteous. Jesus. That only one is wise. Jesus. And I need him. Period. And so this... Soul detox begins with this admission, this clear admission that I am the problem, right? And that I need Jesus. If you need Jesus today, I'm going to give you a chance in just a few moments to receive him, to ask for his forgiveness. Because here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're all toxic, we're all sinful. And because of that, it's the very reason Jesus came. He came, he was born, Christmas story, right? He lived a pure life, he taught, he taught wisdom. And for it, the world, both the religious world and the secular world, joined together to crucify him. 
And when the world thought that it had ridded itself of this problem maker named Jesus, God, in his manifold wisdom, understanding it all, made the cross the focal point of this soul detox that you and I need. Because on Jesus, on the cross, was placed all of my toxic behavior, all of my sins. And because of the cross, and because Jesus is alive today, you know, the resurrection, the Easter story, because Jesus is alive today, I can receive his righteousness. Even better, I can receive him to clean up my toxic soul. And you can receive him today because he died for your sins. And he rose again on the third day to overcome. And he can overcome whatever toxic stuff is in your soul. I've got one more idea for you, and then I want to sum it up with a one thing. And that one more idea is this, that a soul detox takes effect. That is to say that it it takes place, that a process is put in motion. That a soul detox takes effect as I learn to think like Jesus thinks. That's what it means to have the wisdom of God in my life. That I begin, when the wisdom of God is poured into me, I begin to learn to think like Jesus thinks and act like Jesus acts. And as we often talk about here at Harvest, love like Jesus loves and forgive like Jesus forgives. That the goal of the whole thing is to transform my mind, my heart, my soul, my body, to live like Jesus lives. And that's what it means to live in wisdom. Wisdom is learning to think like Jesus thinks. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he was young, grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. But over and over and over, the book of Proverbs is going to call to us. In fact, wisdom is personified in the book of Proverbs, calling out to us. Listen to these verses. Proverbs 8, 32 to 36. This is great. Proverbs 8, 32 to 36. Now then, listen, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instructions and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves, and all who hate me love death. It goes on, Proverbs 9, 1, just continues on here. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has, you get the idea, right? There's a meal going on here. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point in the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. And those who have no sense, she says to them, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed and leave your simple ways and you will live and walk in the way of insight. I want you to hear that twice here, Proverbs is telling us that wisdom calls to us and says, come to me. And it is Jesus who is the wisdom of God that we come to. But I want you to see And I want you to think, is is wisdom calling to us here to stop by for just a second 
Is, is wisdom drawing us here to say, hey, would you just stop in a couple of times a month? Or is wisdom begging us to eat at the table of wisdom? Is wisdom begging us to drink thoroughly with all that wisdom offers? I think our problem is that we often treat the wisdom of God, and if I'm going to be straight here, and why not? Because we've been straight so far, right? That we often treat the wisdom of God. Where do I find the wisdom of God? I I find it in Jesus. Where else do I find the wisdom of God? I I find it in the Bible. Where else do I find the wisdom of God? I, I find it in church, among other wise people. The community that points me to Jesus and, and messages that help me absorb the wisdom of God. I, I think that we often treat the wisdom of God like the drive through That it's nice to pull up to every once in a while and enjoy. But God calls us to something deeper and something more. Don't you think? Isn't that what the meal invitations here are about? In fact, the one thing I want to convince you of today, and really if I could sum up the whole message, what I've been trying to drive you to is this concept. The one thing is this, that life is healthier when I move into the house of wisdom. Life is healthier when I move into the house of wisdom, not just stop by for a sip every once in a while. That my life will be nourished, my life will be healthy, my life will be less toxic when I move into the house of wisdom rather than just stop by every once in a while for a little drink, for a sip. So I want to ask you to make a commitment today. I asked you to make a commitment last week too, but I want to ask you to make a commitment today that for the next eight weeks or so, you can do that, eight weeks, That you will absorb all the wisdom you can. That you can absorb the wisdom of the Bible. You can absorb the wisdom of others. You can absorb the wisdom of church. That if you want to participate online, you can participate online. If you want to participate in person, you can participate in person. But you are going to absorb all the wisdom you can. And I'm going to absorb all the wisdom I can. And our problem is that we often want to treat God's wisdom like we treat the coffee shop, that it's good and nice and that we like it, but we just want to drive through and enjoy it for a minute and then leave it behind. And what if in our lives, instead of leaving it behind, we moved in? Now, I'm going to give you one better than move in, straight up. Instead of you moving into the house of wisdom, What if the house of wisdom were to move in to you, into your heart that is deceitful above all things, into your soul that needs a detox? What if the house of wisdom and all of the delicacies that wisdom brings, what if the house of wisdom were to move into you? Because that's exactly what the Bible says Jesus does in our lives, that he brings with him his spirit, that when I receive Jesus, I receive Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of Jesus to live inside of me. But I've got to listen. I've got to pay attention. 
I've got to tune in. The permanent residence of the source of wisdom, if I am a Christian, and if you're not, you can become one in just a moment, but if I am a Christian, then the source of wisdom lives in me, and everything needed for a soul detox lives within my soul already. You get it? I hope so. I always end our service with two prayers. Would you make the commitment today to say, you know what? I need Jesus. The first prayer we pray is a prayer of salvation if you need Jesus. And the second prayer we always pray is a prayer of application or a prayer of discipleship where we apply what Jesus is teaching us. Would you commit to dwelling in the house of wisdom even better, having the house of wisdom dwell in you, tuning in, Daily, moment by moment. Would you commit to that today? I always end with these two prayers. First is a prayer of salvation. Will you pray it with me? You pray if you need Jesus, if you need forgiveness, if you need grace, if you need God, and if you need to begin a soul detox for the very first time, you would admit, I am sinful. I am foolish. I am broken. I am the problem. I'm toxic. Would you receive Jesus now? Pray just like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for grace. Jesus, thank you that you came and lived and died and rose again. So Jesus, please forgive my sins. I admit that I am the problem. And I turn to you. And Jesus, I ask you to take over my life and make me yours. I don't understand why you would. But the Bible says you will. So please take over my life and cleanse my soul and help me to be like you, Jesus. Teach me to think like you think. Forgive like you forgive. Love like you love. Please do this in me, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer just now, it's miraculous. It's amazing. And we want to support you on that journey. And so would you let me know? That digital communication card we mentioned earlier, you can let me know on the digital communication card. You can let me know by emailing me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. Or you can let me know by telling someone maybe who invited you to watch today. I would love, 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 love to know how to walk with you through the journey. How to help you become more like Jesus. To help you with this soul detox. To show you what it means to be a part of a family and talk about baptism and all that goes into that. That being said, I always end with two prayers. That was the first our second prayer is a prayer of discipleship. And if you would make the commitment today to say, Jesus, I, you've moved into me. I want to move in. I, I want this to be permanent. And I commit to a moment by moment drawing of wisdom. If you'd commit to that today, would you pray with me? I sure hope you will. Pray like this. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for denying my foolish, sinful, toxic behavior. Jesus, I admit that without you, I am the problem. 
Jesus, please be the wisdom of God in me. May your spirit breathe wisdom into every aspect of my life. Make me healthy, not harmful. Make me tough, but not toxic. And make me like you, Jesus. Help me to think as you think. And thank you that you, the house of wisdom, have moved into my life. So help me to live like it every moment, every day. I commit this to you, Jesus. And I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. His wisdom is so good. His word is so good. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about other steps, other aspects. We've talked about the overview today and how soul detox begins. But there are many aspects that we need to work through in the weeks ahead. And so I want to take you through that. Will you join me next week? Will you commit to be here either online or in person next week? Give it eight weeks. I promise you it'll be worth it. And remember this, friends. You, you're loved. I'll see you real soon.